الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاه والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وكونوا مع الصادقين وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم آتي نفوس اللهم آتي نفسي تقواها وزكها انت خير من زكاها انت وليها ومولاها او كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم this is something only allah taala knows we can never imagine it so therefore this is something that we need to now think that rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam being at the height of taqwa and he is still asking allah taala because this height also is a means of getting close to allah taala and the closeness of allah taala there's no limit to it a person can continue progressing and there will still be room further so rasulullah sallallahu alaihi is still asking for even more because this is the means of gaining allah taala's closeness even more now where do we stand in terms of how we become so complacent so lax so casual we don't see any need to get very very concerned about making an effort to acquire further taqwa these are things that just pass us that well life is carrying on and we are fine everything's okay whereas we can see rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam is asking for this he's making dua for it do we make this dua have we started making it the month of ramadan is not now far off the month of rajab has commenced and when the Raj- month of rajab commences this is now something that makes it obvious to us that everything is around the corner ramadan is around the corner because the month of rajab comes then now it's a matter of days rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam showed the eagerness for the month of ramadan at the time of sighting the moon of rajab when he sighted the moon of rajab he made the dua allahumma barik lana fi rajabi wa shaaban wa balighna ramadan ya allah grant us barakat in the months of rajab and shaaban and enable us to reach the month of ramadan and the month of ramadan is that month of taqwa of acquiring taqwa of enhancing taqwa so it starts off now the preparation for that starts off now and nabi sallam is giving us this message in this dua at the time of sighting the moon of rajab so we need to also now start working towards this the least is to start making this dua and after every salah to make this dua and to make this dua at other times as well at the time of tahajjud also allahumma aati nafsi taqwaha ya la you grant my soul taqwa you fill my heart with taqwa you make me a person who is a person of taqwa a muttaqi because the friends of allah taala in awliya'uhu illa almuttaqun the friends of allah taala are only the people of taqwa Now we keep hearing about this taqwa the month of ramadan will come we will hear about it even more 
But have we started considering that to what extent is taqwa coming into my life? What is this taqwa? Sometimes these things just get left as concepts in the mind. They just become some kind of idea. And we think that there is no practical expression that is required for this. Whereas it's a practical aspect. Taqwa is in the heart, but it displays itself practically. In day-to-day life, we will be able to gauge from our choices, from our preferences, that what extent of taqwa is there in our heart. A person wants to look at something, but then he stops right there. That what I'm wanting to look at, what I'm desiring to look at is haram. So I will not look at it. Now that is the practical expression of that taqwa in his heart. Why would he refrain from it? Nobody is there to see him in terms of any human being. There's nobody there. He's closed in a he's closed his door, locked his door, he's alone in his room, he's drawn the curtains, he's sitting there or she is sitting there without anybody else being able to gain access to that place her parents, her siblings, whoever nobody can come and just barge in there because she's locked everything so now because everything is locked so it appears that she's alone and now when it appears she's alone she can now do what she wants she can chat to who she wants she can talk to who she wants she can look at what she wants now these are the things shaitan puts in the heart and mind go ahead now what are you worried about who knows what's going on in fact you don't even need to close the door and lock the door and be bothered about all that you can sit right in the middle of the room and be chatting away with somebody on the phone uh, through whatsapp through whatever else and who knows what's happening who knows what's going on here nobody knows everything carry on People, Allah forbid, they sit right in the midst of their families. They sit in the midst. Sometimes a husband, Allah forbid, Allah ta'ala protect us all from these things. This is merely just for Ibrad. It is just for us to take a lesson. Because these are things that happen. And it happens because people drop their guard. They become complacent. They take it for granted. They say, well, I'm fine. I'm immune to this. They don't adhere to the lines that Shariat has drawn for us the boundaries and limits that Shariat has drawn for us and then they start drifting and then they start sliding and then they fall Allah forbid Allah ta'ala protect us and save us and when that fall happens they crash their marriages crash their homes crash and so many things all crash around them and then it's so much late and too late to start picking up the pieces so how many times this happens that a person, unfortunately, he's sitting right there in that room where his wife is sitting, where his parents are sitting, where somebody else is sitting, his ustad is sitting, and he is chatting to somebody in a haram manner, and he feels that who knows what's going on. Somebody said, ask him, who are you so long talking to? No, my one friend, some business associate. No, I just got some orders to do. And the same happens the other way around as well. Some wife is sitting in the company of her husband. She's sitting right in within meters of him and she's busy chatting away with some haram person and she feels fine about it. Allah forbid, Allah ta'ala protect us and save us. This is not being mentioned to look down upon anybody but just so that we learn how dangerous this is 
and weight can take a person. Can we imagine what, how daring a person can become? That first a person does something haram, the person is worried about who is close by. Whereas Allah Ta'ala is, وَنَحْنُ أَقْرَبُ إِلَيْهِ مِنْ حَبْلِ الْوَرِيدِ Allah Ta'ala is closer to us than our jugular veins, meaning extremely close to us. Allah Ta'ala knows what's passing through our hearts and minds. We forget that. And we're looking who, which human being only we worried about. Which human is close to us. But first the person worries about how close somebody is. But then as the haram continues, the person starts becoming more brave. Brave is not the word. More daring. More bold. Shaitan does this. That haya drops. That haya starts disintegrating in fact. Now the person is not bothered then the person becomes daring. I'll sit in the midst of everybody. That husband says, I'll sit right next to my wife and I'll do the wrong. And that wife says, unfortunately, I'll be sitting within meters of my house. What does he know what's going on? I'll carry on. And then the slide happens and then the crash takes place. And while everything is happening, shaitan lulls everybody into that, don't worry, you're too smart. Nobody can catch up with you. But this is all as a result of that lack of taqwa that consciousness of Allah Ta'ala, that Allah Ta'ala is aware. And Allah Ta'ala has full power over everything. Allah Ta'ala can pull the mat out from under our feet in one second. That's just an expression. You pull the mat out of under somebody's feet, he'll fall. And then the other part of it is, whatever he was sweeping under the carpet will also all be exposed. So we should not get into these things, we should not pray with fire, because then suddenly one spark flies out and it burns everything. So this is something to be very conscious about and therefore this is what we are being taught in this Hadith Sharif. Allahumma aati nafsi taqwaha. Ya Allah grant my nafs taqwa. So now the temptation is coming. The temptation is there to open up some haram site. The temptation is there to get onto some chat line and to talk to somebody, some haram person. The temptation is there to look at something that is impermissible, to listen to music, listen to some other haram this temptation is something that carries on in life but the issue is that a person with taqwa that person also has all these temptations confronting him but with the strength of taqwa he tramples these haram temptations these haram desires he tramples it he breaks his heart but he doesn't break the command of Allah Ta'ala. and such a person is the person who manages to go past all these distractions. So what we require for it is the fuel of taqwa. With the help of Allah Ta'ala, on the means Allah Ta'ala has made it, the fuel of taqwa that will take us past all these distractions without getting caught, caught, caught up in it. So now, have we even started making dua for taqwa? We ask many things. Many people keep asking, but my duas are not being answered. That is a very, very dangerous statement to make because that is what becomes a barrier in the du'as being answered when a person becomes hasty as mentioned in the Hadith Sharif the person becomes hasty and says but my du'as are not getting answered Na'uzubillah this is now so to say like fighting with Allah Ta'ala our duty is to continue making du'a and the du'a is being answered but the manner in which it is being accepted and answered that is not necessary that it will be the way we want it it means some other way. It's Allah Ta'ala's prerogative. He is our creator. He is our sustainer. So in any case, 
this is something to make dua for, to start asking for this taqwa. And Nabi Islam is teaching us this, Allahumma aati nafsi taqwaha. Ya Allah, you grant my nafs, my heart, my soul, grant it taqwa. You puri and you make it subservient to you. So this is the first point that is mentioned in this dua. Then the second aspect Nabi Islam says, وَزَكِّهَا أَنْتَ خَيْرُ مَنْ زَكَّهَا Ya Allah, you purify my soul. Ya Allah, you purify my soul. And you are the best of those who purify. Now this word is something that we've heard. We talk about tazkiya. Tazkiya, inner self-purification. Purification of the soul. This is what tazkiya is all about. And this is the same aspect that is being asked for in this hadith sharif. Ya Allah, you make my tazkiya. Ya Allah, you purify me. This tazkiyah is something that people underwent great mujahada, great efforts to attain this purification. It didn't happen just like that. They were put through great tests. They were put through a lot of exercises which made mujahada against the nafs in order to make them get rid of all the evil qualities from their hearts and acquire all the noble qualities. Now we want it at the press of a button. We are not prepared to make any effort. We are not prepared to stay far away from the things that will distract us. We are not prepared to distance ourselves from the things that will get us involved in haram. And at the press of the button we want taskia. Whereas taskia people made great efforts, great mujahada. One person wrote to Hazrat Mahashwali Thanvi about his anger, the anger problem that he had. Now this is the manner of Tazkiya, that people had, they linked themselves up to some expert sheikh, to a guide. They associated themselves and corresponded with him then and kept on explaining whatever their issues are they spelt out what their problems are and they requested advice and guidance they requested prescriptions to be able to now overcome those illnesses of the heart those maladies and then when the prescription came they then took to it and they practiced upon it in a very very diligent manner until they finally moved past that and alhamdulillah with the fazl of Allah Ta'ala it was cleared so this person in any case, he also, mashallah, undertook that process of Islam by linking himself up to a great expert in the field and then he now subjected himself and submitted himself to whatever advice was being given. So in any case, he wrote to us, that I have this severe anger problem. I just get, as we say, ticked off very quickly. And I just, you know, my, I explode and I can't handle it and I fly off the rails and all those various statements we make to just try and cover up for ourselves sometimes that this is now beyond me it just happens now but it doesn't just happen we've discussed this many many times before that these things don't just happen as our Sheikh Hazrat Shah Hakim Akhtar used to say that when there's an, uh, now suddenly a person who says that I just cannot control my temper somebody irritates me I just fly off the rails I just my anger just reaches a height in one second. 
But now somebody who irritated him, suddenly he looks up and sees the ir- person irritating him is a six foot tall person, real muscle man, and he is looking for a fight also. Now suddenly this person who couldn't control his anger anytime, he just used to fly off the rails, suddenly there is no rails around. He's not flying anywhere. He's sitting quietly. Where? What happened to his anger now? Now suddenly his anger also became very much under control. Because he can see now that if he vents his anger here, he'll get dented. So he just keeps quiet. Now what happened suddenly? Where all that control came from? So all these are just excuses of the nafs. So in any case, this person now wrote to the Tanbi Rahmatullah that I have this severe anger problem. So Hazrat gave him some prescription. Then after a while he wrote back. He said, I'm doing that, but my anger is still not under control. And he explained to him something else. Then he writes back after some time, I'm doing that as well, but the anger is still not under control. So any case, when this carried on for a while, now this is we talking about Tazkiya. That people went through all these issues to acquire the Tazkiya. It didn't just happen overnight. It just didn't just happen at the press of a button. It happened with effort. It happened with subjecting oneself to whatever instruction one's seniors have given. To the senior that one has submitted oneself. And to whose guidance one has submitted oneself. And then they wholeheartedly took that advice. Even if it was difficult, they took it like a bitter medicine. That they know this medicine is very beneficial for me. It's bitter. You don't feel nice taking it. You don't feel happy about it. But you know it's very beneficial. You do it. You are mentally happy. Though physically you are in discomfort. Because you don't like the taste of it. But now you are taking it because you know that this is good for me. So in any case, this person also now, after a few times, whatever prescription was given, and he didn't find the anger coming under control still. So then after several times, he then finally wrote to him and said to him, look, this is your prescription now, that if you become angry and you start shouting at anybody, etc., you, as we say, lose it, and whatever else, people keep losing things, so they start losing their mind also, so they get left without a mind, so then they now are mindless, because they lost the mind, so now a mindless person, can you imagine now, a mindless person, now, he can't think, he doesn't have a mind left, so he's going to think correctly, he can't think, forget think correctly, so in any case, he told him, you see what you do now is, that when you get angry and you start venting your anger on people and your family or whoever, whoever it might be, then you very humbly, you it will take one minute, it might take five minutes, maybe half an hour later, maybe one hour later, you'll come to your senses. One hour later, two hours later too, the next day it might be, you'll come to your senses. And you'll realize that what I did was wrong. I should not have vented my anger in that manner. So now as soon as you come to your senses, and now you've realized that what I did was wrong, you immediately go to the person and in public, you apologize to him. You ask for his forgiveness. That look what I did a few minutes ago, or yesterday, whenever it was, what I did was wrong. I must not do this again, and I'm making a firm intention not to vent my anger again. But I am asking you for forgiveness. Now in India, especially in those days, maybe now these things have died down. If somebody really wanted to show his humility 
and really wanted to so to say beg for somebody's uh, mercy for somebody's forgiveness so what they would actually do is take that person's shoe now in India those days was mostly the jutis somebody might have seen one it was a very simple straightforward shoe not nowadays like the shoes nowadays you put that shoe on your head that thing might hurt you so it was this very simple very thin material and so now obviously not the dirty end they would take the other end and actually put that shoe on the head and then ask the person for that in other words I have now totally so to say I have humbled myself at your feet now I have taken your shoes and put it on my head so Hazrat gave the instruction you take that person's shoes put it on your head and then ask him for forgiveness now is this an easy thing is this something that uh, anybody can just do this it's a very difficult thing very very difficult and now somebody who you vented your anger to generally it will be a person who is junior a person who you think is supposed to take instructions from you a person who you think you are better than him now to come and humble oneself in this manner and very very humbly to apologize very humbly to ask for forgiveness he said a small thing it's a very big thing this person barely did it a couple of times because now force of habit you slip you slip one time now you did it it's a very difficult thing to do but when you did it one time the nafs got crushed because it takes a lot on the nafs but then now force of habit again after a while you slipped again so he did that prescription the second time by the third time that nafs was crushed really because it takes a lot to come in public now everybody is seeing this big sets up this fellow here who carries on like a boss all the time and he is bullying everybody all the time or she is bullying everybody all the time and she is calling the shots and she is making things difficult and miserable for everyone all the time and now in front of this person younger than her this person half her age maybe and she is coming in this humble manner and very humbly asking for forgiveness and saying please make me maaf and you know what I did was wrong and I won't do it again now by the time the person goes through that process it really crushes the nafs and this is that process of Islam and Tazkiyah this is a Tazkiyah now we are asking Allah Ta'ala in this dua Ya Allah you grant me this Tazkiyah now somebody will say we are going to make dua so that's enough so when a person gets sick physically so he says no I will just make dua but I won't take any medication the person needs an operation he says no I will only make dua it's obvious that dua is the main thing we must make dua and make dua first and make dua last and make dua throughout the process but does anybody restrict and confine themselves to dua alone we are in the world where Allah Ta'ala has made it a place of means so together with the dua we adopt dawa as well dua and together with the dua dawa also then with the fazl of Allah Ta'ala Allah Ta'ala puts the effect in that dawa in that medicine and Allah Ta'ala grants shifa so the same process has to be applied for our spiritual ailments on the one side we have to make this dua also Allahumma aati nafsi taqwaha wa zakkiha anta khayru man zakkaha anta waliyuha wa maulaha this is the last part of the dua anta waliyuha wa maulaha ya Allah you are the friend and protect the protecting friend and the guardian of my soul so ya Allah you protect it from all the evils you guard it 
and you save my heart from getting caught up in all the evils. So now on the one hand, we have to make this dua. We have to make this dua as we mentioned after every salah. Make this dua repeatedly at other times of the day also. Especially at the time of tahajjud. And not just like we're parroting something, we're just saying something, we don't even know what we're saying, we don't even have any idea of what we said. These are simple duas, and therefore it's very easy to to keep the meaning in mind. We already explained the meaning, Allahumma aati nafsi taqwaha, Ya Allah grant my soul taqwa, wa zakkiha, anta khayru man zakkaha, and purify it, for you are the best purifier. Anta waliyuha wa maulaha, Ya Allah you are his protecting friend and guardian. So we keep that in mind, ask very earnestly. Like many a person needs something, somebody needs some money urgently, whatever the need might be. Now the way they are asking, the way they are making dua, somebody passing by, they don't know what dua this person is making, but just the manner of the person's dua, they see that and they think, I hope this person makes dua for me also now. Such a manner this person is making dua, I'm sure this dua will reach the heavens. So if he makes dua for me, I'll also get included in it. So that's the way to make this dua. Very earnestly, very deep from the heart. Allahumma aati nafsi taqwaha. Ya Allah, you grant my nafs taqwa. Wa zakkiha anta khayru man zakkaha. Ya Allah, you, you purify it. You are the best purifier. And you are the one who is his protecting friend and guardian. So now this person undertook this process. One time, two times, three times. By the third time, it had completely crushed that nafs and that anger came completely under control. So anger is there. Anger is a natural thing. It's in a human being as part of his nature. But he has to learn how to control it. Unfortunately, because of not knowing how to control this anger, people just vent it anywhere. They vent it on their parents and they think nothing about it. Vent it on their mothers, on their fathers, on their elder siblings and think nothing about it. They vent it on all and sundry and don't bother about it. Why? Because this tazkiyah hasn't been acquired. But now look at this person. He is even expressing, this is my problem. I have this problem. One person wrote to Hazrat Thanavi, I have this pride in me. And this anger often stems from pride. This anger generally stems from pride. A person who's truly gained tawazu, humility. That person has his anger under control also. Because he feels nothing about himself. He feels, I am the lowest. If somebody ignored me, somebody didn't take my opinion in something, somebody didn't take my view, somebody didn't include me in some discussion, somebody didn't uh, give me the due respect, somebody didn't acknowledge me. So he talks to himself and says, so what? Who am I? What must I be given any recognition for? I must just be grateful that Allah Ta'ala has covered my faults and as a result people tolerate me. I don't get thrown out. Otherwise, if people knew my reality, they would all together carry me and throw me out and then spit upon me. And don't, they'll tell me, don't come anywhere near us. But Allah Ta'ala has covered my faults. So people allow me to come and sit around them, to talk to them, etc. This too is Allah Ta'ala's great bounty and ni'mat upon me and His grace and mercy upon me. So if somebody ignored me, somebody did not acknowledge me, somebody didn't give me the due recognition, somebody just overlooked me, so what? Why should this now become such an issue for me? Now the person who's got true tawazu, shaitan will put these waswasas in that person's heart as well. 
But immediately that person will counter that waswasa of shaitan with these kind of thoughts and with this kind of reprimand of the nafs. So in any case, this person also wrote to Hazrat Tanbi I have this pride. So he gave him one prescription. After a while he writes back to say, no, that's still carrying on. Still I can feel it. I still express this pride in so many ways. Then a second prescription. Then a third prescription. When he carried on and he's every time after a while writing back, so the same problem is continuing. Finally, as Tanvi Rahmatullah told him, you see, you should stand up in your masjid, your own hometown masjid. After that salah, wherein the most number of people are present. Now sometimes, for example, uh, Zuhar salah, maybe very few are present because most are gone out to work. And Maghrib, most are present because all are back home. So in that salah time, when most are present, you stand up and make an announcement that look brothers I have this very serious malady of pride my sheikh has given me many prescriptions which I tried to practice on but it didn't bring the desired effect so now I am asking everybody to please make dua for me that Allah Ta'ala cures me from this pride can you imagine let alone stand in front of a masjid full of people and make this kind of elan, this kind of announcement that look I got pride in me please make dua Allah Ta'ala purifies this heart of mine and grants me tawazu. Let alone make an announcement in a masjid. We won't be able to even acknowledge in front of one person sitting alone with us that look, I got pride. That one person might be our senior, might be anybody, might be somebody who is a very close friend. We can't acknowledge it. Only that person, illa mashallah, that person who Allah Ta'ala has given this true concern for Islam, for Tazkiyah. So that person will now raise the issue to their guide, to their spiritual mentor, to their sheikh, and express their problem, that I have this problem of pride, what do I do? I have this anger, what do I do? I have this jealousy in my heart, what do I do? I have this malice in my heart, what do I do? I have all these spiritual ailments in my heart, how do I overcome them? My eyes are not in control, how do I sort this out? My ears, I'm listening to haram, how do I overcome this? And like that, all the other spiritual ailments. And such a person now will gain that will get that advice and then will get that drive to undertake this Islam and Tazkiyah. So this is the per- manner this person stood up eventually first time, second time. By the third day he wrote to the Tanvi Rahmatullah I only made this announcement three times but by the third time I just felt that last drop of pride also draining away. Because it's such a difficult thing it now crushes that nafs. So this is the thing that on the one hand we have to make this dua Allahumma aati nafsi taqwaha وَزَكِّهَا أَنْتَ خَيْرُ مَنْ زَكَّاهَا أَنْتَ وَلِيُّهَا وَمَوْلَاهَا We have to make this dua. And together with this dua, this dua should be made after every salah, other times as well. And as a build-up to Ramadan, we should make it excessively. And together with the dua is dawa as well. So the dua should start from now also. That we start distancing ourselves immediately from all the haram, from all the distractions and temptations, and start increasing our amal increase the tilawat of the Qur'an Sharif, increase our zikr, increase our dua, increase our tasbihat, and inshallah we will see how this will progress us with the fazl of Allah Ta'ala, and how the month of Ramadan then will become extremely fruitful for us. May Allah Ta'ala give us the tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Allahumma laka alhamdu kulluhu wa laka shukru kulluhu. Allahumma la nuhsi thana'an alayk anta kama athnita ala nafsik. Jazallahu anna nabiyana Muhammadan sallallahu alayhi wa sallam bima huwa ahlu. 
ربنا هب لنا من ازواجنا وذرياتنا قرة اعين واجعلنا للمتقين اماما ربنا فاغفر لنا ذنوبنا وكفر عنا سيئاتنا وتوفنا مع الابرار ربنا واتنا ما وعدتنا على رسلك ولا تخزنا يوم القيامة انك لا تخلف الميعاد ربنا تقبل منا انك انت السميع العليم وتب علينا يا مولانا انك انت التواب الرحيم اللهم انا نسالك من خير ما سالك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم انت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوه الا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد واله وصحبه اجمعين والحمد لله رب